0: Welcome to the Breaking Health Podcast, a series of discussions with the most disruptive CEOs and leaders in digital health. Welcome to the Breaking Health Podcast. I am here with Jenny Schneider, uh, co-founder and CEO of Homeward. Welcome to the podcast, Jenny. It's good to have you.
1: Thanks so much for having me. Thanks. Good to be here.
0: Um, you know, I want to dig into Homeward and in what you're doing, but I think it would be really interesting to talk about your background first. Um, obviously, being a medical doctor, you committed to healthcare early, but you didn't necessarily know you were going. Maybe you did know you were going to be a, uh, a CEO and an entrepreneur. Um, but uh, would love to hear a little bit about your journey from uh, being a physician and now becoming. The leader of a company and and a lead, and a leader within a bunch of companies we've all we've all heard of and know about. So
1: thank thank you for the question. The um so my background. So I grew up in um, a small town called Winona, Minnesota, and uh, no one was in healthcare. My dad runs the auto parts business, local auto parts business that my grandfather started, and um, really no interest in health until at age twelve I was diagnosed with type one diabetes, and that became front and center. And through that journey, I had the great fortune of being seen at Mayo Clinic and working with um, an endocrinologist named Dr. Roger Nelson, who was just one of those docs that at a young age of 12 made me feel like I could do this, I could handle this, I could be in charge and be empowered. And um, that that sent me on an interest and a trajectory into medical school. Um, Throughout medical school, I had lots of interest, spent most of my time doing international rotations in pediatrics. At the end of the day, I came out as an internal medicine doctor. And what I started to learn about myself is I just liked hard problems. Um, And I attribute a lot of that to being a middle child, which is I got to watch my brother bump up against the rules and get things wrong, and then I could try to figure out how to get to the same destination without getting in trouble. Um, and uh, so that took me on a journey that was, you know, very winding. Um, so I did inter- I did medical school at Hopkins, internal medicine residency at Stanford, stayed as a chief, uh, went and got a master's in health services research, and was introduced to a serial entrepreneur who was trying to create a free market in healthcare, and that was my journey into cast Light Health. And then we took that company public for the first uh, unicorn, digital health unicorn, for over a billion dollars. Um, in 2000 and, uh, 2013, and then I joined Livongo, um, first as chief medical officer, and then served as president. And that was, again, leveraging data to change behaviors for people with chronic conditions. And we took that company public for $3 billion and then sold for $18.5 billion. And, um, and now I've launched a, 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 a new company, again, tackling something that is really difficult, really hard, and really important.
0: Wow. That's a lot. That's a lot. I mean, so so it was truly this doctor at the Mayo Clinic that inspired you to go to medical school? Is that really? Is, is that was that the, was that the moment?
1: Yeah, yeah. You know how I think about it is, you know, I was twelve, and type one diabetes is a pretty comprehensive condition. It's twenty four by seven by three sixty five. You never get a day off. And for a lot of people, when they're diagnosed as kids, it's the condition that the parents control, and there's a lot of control issues. And I had. Um, Dr. Nelson, uh, you know, really, really saw me as a partner and has really emp- empowered me to be able to do things in a way that I found incredibly, incredibly um, inspirational. And I, to this day, would say, you know, like, I hope there is a cure for type 1 diabetes because I hope no one ever has to live with it. But I am so happy that I was had the diagnosis because I think it really has changed how I approach the world and that. This idea that I can do anything—that even though I'm slightly different in, in these aspects, I can still do anything that I set my mind to—and that was something that truly came from from him um, and learning how to handle and cope with a condition that is relentless and there is truly never a break. Um, and so, I, I do attribute the diagnosis and the people around the diagnosis to my my interpretation of what I was going through and then kind of the trajectory into healthcare.
0: That's fantastic. Uh, I know you said something very a couple of very quick things there that I want to just uh, touch on. You said something free market in healthcare. What do you think about that idea today? I know it was I know it was well, cool at one point, but yeah. is it still cool?
1: Yeah. You know, I think it's here's what I think. I think so. When we were starting Castlight, you know, we were looking at um the the business at the time we started it was really looking at employees who got their health care sponsored from employers and they were choosing in-network services without understanding that there was a differentiation up to tenfold for an in-network doctor. I'm not talking in-network versus out-of-network, most people understood that. But you may not know if you get a colonoscopy at location A, right across the street, there's a doctor that's one tenth the cost, that there's a negotiated rate between docs and health service, like health um, insurance companies. You don't know the price. You also don't actually know the quality or the outcomes. So that actually started, I think, the bigger journey of what people now call consumerism in healthcare treating people like they can consume healthcare the same way we can consume internet services or buy purchase cars or take trips and that you know in the industry um and so i i think that this idea around transparency and allowing people to be one be involved and two be part of the decision making is a, par- a part of what's happening in healthcare today and will continue to be so
0: i hope so i hope so Um, so tell me about Homeward. I, I, I think I know about it, but it's, 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 when did you get it started? First of all, when did you, when did you step into the CEO role at Homeward?
1: But we, so at the time that we sold um, Lavongo, I joined General Catalyst as an executive in residence, really with the idea that I wanted to go back into an operating role, um, but spent some time thinking through what that could and should be. And as part of that journey, I reflected on my own upbringing in small town rural America And um, and then did some digging and started to learn that the outcomes for people who live in a rural zip code are drastically worse than if you live in a zip code that's designated as urban. And by drastically worse, I mean 23% higher mortality. So it's like a third world country in America. Um, And then put my head together with Tanasia, General Catalyst, and my co-founder, Amar Kendale, and realized that we thought we could do something different to service people who live in rural America. So Homeward, we launched in March of this year, March of 2022, um, and the mission of Homeward is to re-architect the delivery of health and care in partnership communities everywhere, starting in rural America. The way, what, and the things that we're doing that are uniquely different are, number one is aligning economic incentives. So we're turning away from this fee-for-service world where the doctors get paid every time they see you to this world where the doctors, and we come in as the doctor, where we get paid to just keep you healthy over time. That that's a better economic alignment, allows us to do the right types of care and invest in the places where we know we need to invest to keep you healthy, which is different than if we're trying to stay afloat as a business and and keep you healthy. And then the second was to really leverage technology because we know that there's not enough service providers in rural America. Um, There's 50%, half the number of primary care doctors and one-eighth the number of specialists in rural America. And so we're able to leverage technology to really scale those services. So we, we launched in March of this year um, with the seed funding coming out of General Catalyst. We raised Series B in June of this year um, announced our partnership with Priority Health, um, which is a large insurance company in Michigan um, and is a subsidiary of the largest health system, Corwell Health in Michigan, yep. um, and then a partnership with Rite Aid. And so we're off to the races in market and seeing people.
0: That's fantastic. That's fantastic. I guess it is true. I, I, I do have a home in, in what we considered rural, you know, and I know that I end up probably going to Boston or New York to get specialty care, um, probably because I know to guide myself there. But like I know there's a there's an emergency room nearby. I can get to an emergency room in a small hospital. And then if anything serious happens, I'll have to go to one or another city to be treated. Um, is that the way it works in rural America where there's only a couple of positions and the next thing you know, you're shipped off someplace else to get care?
1: That's right, so um, it's hard to access care. Drives are in the order of hours, right? The infrastructure in rural markets, there's very limited public transportation, there's very limited broadband connectivity, so there's a lot lot more obstacles to overcome. But remember, this is true for both primary care and for specialty care. You know, 10% of all rural counties have no healthcare provider at all, zero, zip, nada, right? So no emergency, nothing. Um, and a lot of people who are living in rural um, markets um, have are lower socioeconomic, meaning they're lower income. And so they're often asked to take hours off of a workday where you're paid in an hourly wage to drive four hours to see a doc for 15 minutes to come back. It doesn't may not make sense for you as an individual. And so one of the approaches that we're taking is to really kind of invert that. Now, I'll I'll harken back to where we started, which is my dad owns the auto parts store in Winona, Minnesota, and my dad's store, my first job was getting in a, a, a motor parts and equipment white Chevy truck and delivering auto parts to the farm workers in the distributed area spark plugs, batteries, carburetors. So when they had an issue in their business and something broke, my dad's company would service them and deliver to them what they needed. Now, if those people have health problems, we don't service them. We make them get in their car or truck and come all the way into a larger central city. It's almost as if these auto parts were more important to the businesses than the health care of the people that were living there. And so we're taking a different approach, which is to say, let's bring health care to people. Let's meet them in their home. We have a mobile van and mobile clinic where we can park it where people normally flow throughout their day. And then we leverage technology, so telemedicine, tele- telehealth, remote patient monitoring, so that we can actually connect with people throughout the course of their life and their journey.
0: That's fantastic. I imagined there was going to be a lot of telehealth. I was surprised to hear that you're able to bring physical treatment to the individuals. That's awesome.
1: Just telehealth is interesting, right? Because telehealth is not new, right? So this has been around for 10 years and yet has not solved healthcare in rural America. And there's really two reasons. One is that telehealth alone is not sufficient. Right, And the second is that most of us, um, and particularly if you live in a small town in America, trust is paramount, and it's not really easy to trust a, a phone number that comes through a pamphlet that arrives at your house step to take care of your health. And so this ability to invest in what we call the hybrid model, so being able to see people in person, as well as to establish the trust and then deploy the technology services to scale is really critical in what we're trying to accomplish.
0: So are the doctors the same? So are the physicians local or the physicians like your auto parts, store example? So it is the doctors that have chosen to live in a more rural setting that then would become part of your network. Is that the way it works? I mean, are you building a network or employing doctors? A couple of questions that I'm curious yeah, about
1: both building a network and employing doctors. It's both. And so our, at the end of our, you know, we want to accomplish better healthcare in rural markets. We filed as a B corporation. We are not coming in to compete and steal doctors with existing healthcare systems that would not allow us to accomplish our end goal. And yet... We do come in as a physician. We localize our docs in larger cities and use distributed workforce so people can truly work at the top of their licenses. So we use a lot of medical assistants, nurse practitioners, physician assistants to meet people in the field and then work back into through central physicians. Similarly, when our patients have, our members have uh, doctors of their own, we're able to help support those physicians by providing more wraparound services for things such as telehealth, Health and remote patient monitoring. These techni- so The one the one thing to keep in mind is that these. There's been a lot of technology advancements, but if these technology advancements are built in a fee for service world, they're not economically sustainable. But they're the things that are needed to be delivered in order to deliver healthcare in rural markets. You have to use these things, and so rather than use these things and lose money on them, if you say, "Look, just give me. I'll be responsible for the whole economic status of the patient, and then I'll be able." able to do all the types of cares that I need to do to make them healthier and make them cost less. That's that's this like again the two parts to this puzzle are economic alignment through total capitation and then technology to build and deliver.
0: So you are going to take full capitation for all for all like so so for, for in the priority health example they'll allocate you know members that they know live in rural communities and you'll take a global capitation payment to take care of them. That. That's right. That's right. Yep. Well, it's been working in California forever, right? In in some of those in some of those markets. So,
1: um,
0: that's pretty incredible, actually. I I I really think this is a great idea. I I would. uh, So, do you have? How does the health plan feel about? Do they have an understanding about what these members cost today? Are you able to get a sense for it? And are you able to get a sense for what you'll need to do? To obviously, there's a relationship. There should be a relationship between better care and cost, that really is the at the end of the day, the mission of the business. Is there a way for you to quantify that? Is there a trial period for you to understand whether what you're doing is having an impact? Um, how are you there- how are you proving yourself out, I guess would be my question.
1: Yeah, there is. And so keep in mind, so our partners are with the, the insurance companies. And so today we're taking care of Medicare eligible individuals. Right. And so if you're eligible for Medicare, your um, health care costs are quantified by the government based off of the what we know about you. Um, and what we know about the people who live in rural markets is one, they are sicker then they appear on paper because they don't receive very much healthcare. They don't often get annual wellness exams, for example. But all of a sudden, they come crashing into the emergency room with a heart attack or a stroke and then becomes really high expenditure. Um, And so the the healthcare companies um, and us partner so that we can provide on the metrics that are measured by the government, things such as they're called HEDIS and STAR metrics, which is really, are we doing the right things for you if you have diabetes? Are we doing the right things for you if you have hypertension? Are we doing the right things for you if you're overweight? There's a bunch of metrics we help improve those we engage with these people and we deliver costs that or deliver care that costs less than what we know that it should that it should cost based off of the conditions that they have so there's a, the the good news and bad news about uh, healthcare is that it's so highly inefficient that there's a lot that can be improved upon. And our ability to engage and and allow people to interact with the healthcare system allows them to improve their health and ultimately cost less money. But it's the only way to do that is to make the experience much more easy for people that are living in rural markets, kind of where we started with this access issue up front.
0: And so, would Homeward be sort of auto assigned these members as their primary care uh, network, and then you would reach out to them? And th- is it a specific doctor, or is the company sort of like the a, a primary care physician for the for the members?
1: You're right. So we would be we get assigned a number of people who don't have doctors who are been um, they're in the insurance company um, portfolio, but they haven't actually seen a doctor um, in years. In many right. cases. And then homeward becomes homeward the entity becomes the primary care doctor and our primary care doctor experience includes a physician for sure but includes a lot of other ancillary services such as you know monitoring of blood pressure a home visit in your house to understand the a, additional needs so it's that's the entity the primary care um, entity is homeward health
0: fantastic so um, how my last question I guess for you is how can people find out more about you I know you've got website. Are you tweeting? Are you, uh, how, how, how is information um, being transmitted about the company?
1: Yeah, so I would I would go to homewardhealth.com. That's probably our biggest flow through. We have lots of information in the markets where we're seeing people. So we're in 23 counties in Michigan, and we have billboards up, we're addressing and allowing people to access, we're about to enter another state in the upcoming months, so more to come on that. Um, so lots of local um, advertisements for people that are in the, in the areas that we're servicing. Again, we just started in March, um, but homeward Health is a, it, homewardhealth.com is the right place to go.
0: A lot, you got a lot done since March, I'll tell you, it's fantastic, congratulations.
1: It's- thank you, well, it's a, it's a big need, it's a combination of the market, there's a very, very large need to improve healthcare delivery in rural markets and we have a very experienced stellar team and are very mission driven uh, to get the job done. So it's, good, it's good to wake up every day with a job that matters and is urgent.
0: Terrific, nice to meet you, it's a great idea, wonderful company, thank you.
1: Thank you, great to meet you as well.